0: Good morning everyone. It's a real privilege and a joy to be able to share God's word with you this morning. I thought I'd begin with a bit of a story. Uh, It was around about winter time, just about six months ago. Me and Yvette and Naomi decided to take an outing into the city. And so, as you do, we thought, why don't we take a walk in the botanical gardens? So we headed out in the botanical gardens, but as we started to be in the middle of the garden, probably 500 metres away from anything we started to notice that the weather was taking a bit of a turn. It was one of those storms, and it was coming, and me and Yvette thought, what do we do? No umbrella. In the middle of the storm, it was cold, and we thought, we've got to make a run for something, some kind of shelter, somewhere to hide from this storm. And what actually was there was there was this bamboo garden. You might have seen it. In the middle of the, of the botanical gardens, there's this huge bamboo garden. It's like a forest. And we thought... That's it, we're going there. So we started to run and we ran into this bamboo garden and as you get into this bamboo thing, there was all these other people in there as well that were all taking shelter from the storm. And they're all hiding in these little nooks, these little caves made by the bamboo. And we pushed ourselves deeper and deeper into this bamboo garden. And you know what? This, that was one of those storms. If you were three seconds out in that rain, you were going to be soaked to the bone. Uh, and we managed to, to avert that. We waited till the storm passed and then we made a run for it. Still got a bit wet but we, but it was definitely a a real reprieve from something that would have been otherwise pretty awful. You know, we come to a new year and we know one thing is for certain, that life is full of storms, isn't it? There's always unpredictable things ahead. Storms of life can take all sorts of shapes and sizes. It can be things like health, worries about health, health of our family, of our loved ones. It can be relationship conflicts and issues. And how they crop up and cause upheaval. Um, it can be work problems, financial struggles. You know, there's always these threats on the horizon. I was just reading the news this morning. It was saying that, you know, China is going to invade Taiwan, and we're all going to get sucked into war by not by 2025. I mean, who knows? Or is Trump going to be president? I don't know. It's a worry, right? All of these things. Who knows? And we ask ourselves the question, where can we take shelter? Where can we hide? Sometimes we just want a safe place. And in this psalm, David begins by asking and pleading for God for safety. And that's what we're going to think about today. I'm hoping that by looking at this psalm, you're going to find confidence to put your hope in something secure, to put your hope in God, as David does. We're going to see an example of his faith. We're going to see how he rejoices in God's blessing and we're going to see something about the future that I think gives us that we that it's got to do with Jesus's kingdom and I think with that it gives us great hope so let's bow our heads and pray and ask God to bless us as we spend time in his word this morning heavenly father we come before you and lord we ask you to speak your words into our hearts this morning strengthen us we pray give us confidence in you help us to trust you show us what true faith is And help us to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now with this psalm, it's you could say it's divided into four sections or three sections, but mainly there's the verse one, which is the petition that David prays. And that goes into a section which is all about David trusting God. And we get to see what true faith and trust looks like. And we can use that as a bit of a measuring stick to look at our own faith and challenge ourselves. And in the second section, which goes from verse 5 to 9, we start to see God's general provision to David in in, in his life, uh, in his future, in that life. And then it goes on in verse 9 to 11 and starts to look at God's eternal provision. So there's really those three sections, and we're really going to look at all of those. And I know that you get really stressed when you don't know the future, so I've laid it out for you. So today you could say that you're in a safe place. And I can tell you that by the time we get to the third section, what I'm hoping you're going to realise is that prophecy, that God eternal provision, which is a prophecy of Jesus, isn't just an add-on to the psalm. It's actually the foundation for the entire psalm. So hang in there as we get to see how this all ties in with Acts chapter 2 that we read earlier. Now, as you look at this psalm, it begins with an open verse that says... Where David brings his petition before God and he says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. That image of finding shelter in the time of that storm when we feel insecure. And we've mentioned all of those things that can create insecurity for us. And perhaps you're here this morning feeling insecure about the future. We turn the year. We have a New Year's celebration and we hope for something better. Maybe property prices will go up. Maybe they'll go down. Maybe the economy will be stronger. Maybe there won't be wars. Maybe some of the wars we have will be fixed. And David takes those concerns for his life as a king, and I can imagine he had many, and he brings them and he finds refuge in God himself. Now I want you to notice in that verse, and by the way, you want to have your Bibles open because we're going to go through this verse by verse. But notice there that he says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. And that's kind of a because. There's an expectation that God is going to provide for him. But I want to say to you that the emphasis in this verse is not the word for, but the word you. It's not because David trusts God that God's going to do it as if God owes him something. But rather because God is trustworthy, for in you I take refuge. God puts his, David puts his trust in God and in nothing else alone. He knows that all other things cannot provide security and safety and blessing. God alone is able to do this because he's the creator. He's the one who made us. He has the power, the will, the love to provide and to strengthen his people. As David starts with this open question, there's a tension here. God, help me. And as the psalm unfolds, we get to see his confidence build. As often happens in psalm. They start off with a question and they end up with an answer. And David begins to reflect on his faith. And I want you to have a look here because he puts his trust in God. But the question is, what does true trust look like? What does that kind of trust in God where God provides that safety look like? And he says this in verse two, I say to my Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. The first Lord in that verse is the word Yahweh. It's the name for God that was revealed to Israel. The second Lord, which is in lower capital L, lowercase, is actually Adonai, which means sovereign, king, ruler. It would be the term you would use to greet someone who is like in charge. And so what David says here in placing his faith in God, he says, God you are my sovereign, you are my king, you are my ruler. It's a phrase of submission. And for us to put our trust in God in the same way that David did, and I think David's a beautiful example of faith, it's to put God at the centre of our lives and to trust him and to serve him and to seek his will and to want to honour him above all things in our lives. This isn't just a God that we tack on on Sundays, or where we'll we join a club called the church. It's, it, I mean, those things are great, but it's far more than that. It's about putting God at the very foundation of our world. You are my ruler, my king. And he goes on to say that apart from you, I have no good thing. Now there's two senses of this kind of trust. One is that He sees God as the provider of all good things. And we know the Bible tells us that all good things come from God, that all good things flow from Him. Everything in life that we have, that we find pleasurable and good, our strength, our health, our families, they come from God. Food, safety, security. But it's even more than that. David says, apart from you, I have no good thing. Not only is God the source, He is the good thing that we treasure. And David finds value in God. He finds that God is his treasure, that he honours God and he does he desires God and he values God above everything in his life. There is no other good thing. Everything else pales into insignificance in terms of how good God is for David. And this is at the core of his faith. But you know, this faith doesn't, it's got this upwards view of God and and who he is and how he treasures him. But it doesn't stop there because it finds reflections in the way that he deals with the people around him. He says, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom I find delight. You know, it's an interesting characteristic for those who have true faith in God that Their faith is sometimes expressed in their relationship with others who have faith. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear someone's a Christian or when I hear that they found faith in their life, I feel joy because they share the same hope that I have. And you might feel that as well. And David expresses that he finds delight in God's people because he is of genuine faith. And when he sees others following the same God, he finds great pleasure in that. And this isn't just, again, about attending church on Sundays and hearing a a great thing or having concept of who God is. It's about loving God's people and and loving God's church, even as we are all flawed human beings that, that make that up. Because he sees God in his people and he delights in that. Another expression of faith. And then he goes on to say, those who run after other gods... Will suffer more and more. I will not pour out liber- libertations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. You know when we feel insecure there are great there are a great many substitutes. there are many things that we can look to find security in. We can just buckle down and work harder. We can be determined. We can be self-willed. Sometimes we just rely on ourselves. We can look um, for financial security to try to get through the tra- the tragedies of life we, or the struggles of life. We can look to our medical system to help us, to our doctors, to our friends, to our spouse. We can look to anything else other than to God, but... You know, in those in, in David's day there were a great many gods, a great many substitutes that you could turn to. And there was a god for if you wanted fertility or a god if you wanted to bless the land or if you wanted whatever you wanted, you could turn to these gods. But David says, "I will not turn to those gods. I will not make sacrifices to them. I will not bow down to them. I won't have their their names on my lips." I will only serve God, the true God, the creator, the one who made me. Only him will I serve. And it's a its a challenge, isn't it? Because sometimes it's like God is the last resort. Are you a bit like that? I sometimes think I am. You know, you, you turn to everything else and when everything goes wrong, then you pray. Human nature, I know. But... David says he won't turn to those gods. We don't have statues and, and things to turn to, but I tell you, we have a great many number of material things that we can substitute God with. And there's a challenge for us when we feel insecure and we feel unsafe to put our trust in God and to be aware that those substitutes lead us to more suffering because they don't provide. And David knew that. I guess I've got a bit of a summary there of that section for you. Trusting in God means honouring him. Ah, so we've got the first point, second point. Trusting in God means honouring him as Lord and valuing him above all else and rejecting all substitutes. It's a bit of a summary for you to think about that section. But David now, after having reflected on his faith and as we think about our faith, he now moves into thinking about what God has provided. Now this morning we've had a time of prayer and thankfulness and it's appropriate to do that because sometimes we fail to see how God is already providing in our lives. Now for David, there was a real expectation that God would provide in his lifetime. He was the king of God's kingdom and God had made promises and everything was highly physical you know there was a physical place a physical land and there was a king and there was he was to have safety from his enemies and so this section really david has in mind a lot of the the temporal blessings of safety and security that he was yearning for and we we have those temporal yearnings as well i think the sense is slightly different though because david has an expectation because of god's promises to israel as a kingdom and for us our view is lifted to a cosmic scale where God's going to provide every safety and security and blessing in the kingdom to come. Because our view is not the kingdom on earth, but the kingdom that is greater. But there is a sense where we also seek God for temporal blessings, for things in our life now, and I'm going to come to that in a minute. But have a look at how David expresses his uh, thankfulness in a sense of what God has provided. He says, Lord, you alone... Are my portion and my cup in verse five. You know, the image here is of a banquet. I don't know if you had a, one of those meals for, for Christmas. Did you do that with the family where you, the, the table just sprawls with food and you, everyone just goes and there's so much food and you wish your stomach was bigger because there's just so much of it. We're so blessed, aren't we? And there's this image of this banquet and David is given a cup and a portion. It's a generous portion. But what is that blessing? It's God himself. At the center of God's provision of safety, security and blessing, God gives us a relationship with himself. He wants to know us. He wants to love us. He wants to be with us. And David sees that as being his portion and his cup, his feast, his banquet. He feasts on God himself. And he says, you alone are my portion. Nothing else. That is his greatest treasure again. And that's how God is blessing him in his life. It's through that relationship. And he goes on in verse 6, six and he says, the boundary lives have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Have you ever felt that you've been in an unsafe place? Um, I have. I think it was a couple of years ago I was on business and I was traveling in in America and I was in San Francisco and as it turned out my phone ran out of power and I ended up in some street and I couldn't find my hotel and it was dark and it was late and I was struggling to to get back to this hotel and I didn't know how to do it and I didn't have maps and I couldn't call an Uber and I was in an awful place and I was really afraid. I wasn't in a safe place. And perhaps you've experienced that when you've been in certain places, maybe gone down the wrong street, or maybe even, sometimes even for some people, they have the tragedy and and the difficulty that even their homes aren't safe. They're not safe even at home. Can you imagine that? we want a safe place, don't we? And, and David talks here in, in, in thinking about God's provision. He says, "The boundary lines have fallen to me in, in safe places." You think about measuring out your property, right? And the surveyor comes and they measure it out, and he takes stock of the place that God has for him, the place that He's providing. He says, "It's it's pleasant. It's just the perfect place. It's safe. It's secure." Our hearts long for this, doesn't it, don't they? and and David sees that blessing in his life. and more than this, he sees that this blessing is not just something that he has now. they have fallen for him in pleasant places, but he also sees it in the future, in this inheritance that he has. You know, I had a uh, a, a relative that every time I'd see them, they'd say to me, "Paul, I'm going to remember you in my will. I used to hate that. Because I didn't go visit this relative because I wanted something. I went because I loved them. But I was, I'm going to remember you in my will, all the time, every time. Of course, when the will date came, they didn't even have me mentioned in there. <laughs> Unfortunately, we sometimes can't rely on our inheritances uh, in this life, and I'm still questioning what I'm going to leave to my children. But uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? But um, the reality is that God has an inheritance. Something secure that we can look forward to. And David could see that in his future. And he goes on to say, I will praise the Lord who counsels me every night my heart instructs me. God's providing for him something so precious here. You know, we, we feel worried about how to make decisions. Do you have challenges that you need to think about? What are you going to do? Where are you going to get advice? Are you going to go to a blog or a vlog? or a book, or a counsellor. I mean, there's many great ways that we learn things in life. There's nothing wrong with those. But here, David's counsellor is God himself, his word. And he provides for him counsel, wisdom. You know, a king relied, kingdoms rose and fall based on good and bad counsel. And David says, you counsel me. The Lord counsels me through his word. I tell you, God's word has saved me from so many bad decisions. And I, I, I know that it, he, he guides us through his word. And David says he's instructed as night as he reflects on God's word. And that's how he's thinking. He, he's, his life is full of God's word. And I think as God's people, that's how we need to be. We need to put God's word at the center of our lives and use that to guide us. It doesn't always give you advice for every specific circumstances, but it tells you how to live a godly life. And I tell you, that's going to save you from a whole lot of pitfalls. Maybe that's a challenge for you this year. Put God at the word at the center of your life and seek his guidance. God provided that for David and he feels so blessed. He says, I always keep my eyes on the Lord. My eyes are always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You know, I was doing a bit of reading about what David, what that culture would have thought about a verse like this, because there's a historical context. The way sometimes we read verses today isn't the same way they would have read them. You know, they were, they were fighting. They were, they were engaged in battle. And in battle, what happens is you hold your shield in your left hand and you hold your sword in your right. You're really well protected on your left. You're a little bit exposed on your right. So what they would do when they would fight is they'd line up the soldiers in a line one soldier to your right, another soldier to the right. You hope you're not the right most soldier, but everyone's protected to their right side by the soldier to their right because their shield is protecting your right flank. And the image here is of God standing shoulder to shoulder with the one who places faith in him, and being that shield so that he will not be shaken. The word shaken there is the idea of shrinking back or being pushed back. And in its place, there's steadfastness. There's perseverance. Why? Because of our strength? No, because we have God. David has God. We have God standing to our right shoulder to protect our vulnerabilities. And he's right there with us in the middle of that battle. It's a lovely picture he says, it at my right hand I will not be shaken. Do you see the provision that God is providing here? His presence. His guidance, his protection, and a safe place and an secure inheritance. Is it no wonder that in the next song, next section of that psalm in verse nine, where he starts with a question, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. And in verse 9, he builds as he reflects on his faith and he reflects on God's provision. He builds to this point where he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Do you see the joy in the midst of what started as a question ends up with an answer? And he finds contentment and, and he's able to praise God and he's able to honour God and he feels happy and he wants to leap for joy because God is there with him and he's realised that he has all the safety and security and blessing that he's ever going to need. It's a wonderful image. And I think for us as we draw in faith, the kind of faith that David has and we draw closer to God, that is the ultimate expression of that faith is that we find joy in God. And joy is, 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 is a deep sense of satisfaction. And I think it's only something that God can give us. Nothing else can give us that joy. So if you're missing that joy this morning, if you are worried about your future, have the same faith that David did and place your trust in God. Now, it does lead us to a question, though, doesn't it? Is God going to give us everything that we want? Can we expect the boundary lines? Are you going to win that auction or not? Are you going to get the things that you need, that you think you need, the new job or the pay increase to fight the cost of living challenges? Or are we going to avert a war or can we build our army? What's going to happen to us? And is God going to guarantee that he's going to provide these things if we trust him? And I want to say to you, yes, but not always in this life. Because we know that life has ups and downs. And David begins by saying that God is Adonai, that he is sovereign. He's a king. We don't make demands. And we cannot ask God to just follow what we want like he's a genie. We ask him. We bring our cares to him. We know that God will provide all things in the kingdom to come. He does also bless us here and now. And it's right to bring our prayers to him, knowing that he is able. We're knowing that he loves us. But he doesn't always say yes, because he's king. And even when he doesn't, he still blesses us, and he still gives us everything in eternity. So we can approach God in prayer in confidence and bring our cares for him. It shouldn't be just a case of, well, God's going to bless me one day in the future, so therefore I'll just have this faith, but I won't have any practical expression as I struggle through life. I think there's a tension here. We can't expect God to do everything we want, because he's God. But he is able. And so we should approach him and put the same faith, the same trust that David had in God when we face those challenges in life. Knowing that he's sovereign and knows us nothing. And that he's good. And I tell you, I've seen so many blessings. That's why we thank God today. Because there's so much that we can be thankful for. Hasn't he blessed us? So many ways. In this next section, where. are uh... Uh, he begins to look at the future. And, you know, I love this section because it really underpins the entire psalm. Uh, David's been kind of thinking about everything, all the blessings that he has, and now he starts to think about what happens because, you know, the greatest thief of all in life is death. It robs us of everything. The other, just only last week I went to a funeral. One of my cousins passed away. He was only 60 Um, That's a young person these days. And you know, he... uh, Great guy, had a successful business, loving lovely family. He left all of it behind. Didn't take it with him. He's got a box. And you know, it is the greatest thief because all our riches, even our family, are going to be taken from us by death. And death is the biggest thief. It leaves us completely empty. Um... In this section here, he says, my body will rest secure. Rest is death. Somehow our bodies are secure, he says, in death. He says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. I've got to say, this psalm is really interesting in the Old Testament because David starts to look at something eternal here. He recognises that, you know, as much as God can give us in life, if we don't have something after life, it's all going to be taken away. It all comes to nothing. Even if you have a long life, it's still going to come to nothing. We need something greater. And David sees something beyond the grave, a security and a hope and a safety and a blessing that goes beyond this life. He says, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. The word realm of the dead there is sheol. In, in the Hebrew. And it's, it, it is the word for hell. But it's, it's a little bit different because the, the word sheol actually, the root word in the Hebrew means unknown. It's, it's this place in darkness, shrouded in mystery, where there is stillness. And in New Testament, we start to see more about what hell looks like. But he didn't fully know all that. It, it was the unknown, the nothingness that lies at the end of life. And he says you're not going to abandon me to that. You're not going to leave me there. There's something more. And he goes on to say you will make you make known to me the paths of life and you fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He starts to see that this pleasure this where he talks about the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places he sees this kingdom this place of fulfillment as being something eternal that goes beyond the place of death and darkness and there's a light that shines a life into his heart and this is his ultimate expression of security and he sees this as being very this very presence of god that he has in his life extending into this eternal place Now, this is all well and good because, you know, you don't see this glimpse very often in the Old Testament, to be honest. Some people don't even know that David is even what they think he might even be talking in a temporal sense here as well. Some people read this passage as being about David just having a long life. I think he's talking about eternity, which is remarkable. But in the New Testament, we start to see Peter starts to talk about this very passage, looking back at it. And he he says some things that are extraordinary that helps us to lift our eyes and to see that there's something really special going on here in the midst of this passage, this this psalm. Now um, I'm going to be slightly theological here. I just want to let you know that there's two kind of ways that you can read this. Um, one is to see this. Uh, I mean, Peter Peter connects this to being this this idea of death and resurrection or life after death, he connects it to Jesus. And he does this in the in the most direct way. And you can see the connection between the passages being, one way to do it is to be typological. And what that means is that we see David, he's a king. He has a life. And God blesses him in his life and establishes a kingdom. And Jesus comes along later and he is the true king. And God establishes the true kingdom where he lives and dwells with his people, which is the kingdom to come. And Jesus conquers death, not just a long life, but eternity for all those who follow him. And so you can see David as being a shadow of the image of Jesus. That's one way to see it as being typological. But the other way that some people take it, and it's probably a little bit more common is to see this connection between these two passages being prophetic, as in David had some kind of knowledge that God had revealed something to him about the future and that he got a glimpse of something to come that has to do with the resurrection that connects with him. Now, I want to have a look and show you uh, what Acts Peter says, and then I want to show you what... uh, Actually, let's have a look at this first. This is what Samuel says to David. So this is what David knew. He says, when your days are over, you will rest with your ancestors. This is Nathan, the prophet, speaking God's word to, to David. He says, I will raise up for you an offspring to succeed you from your own flesh and blood and, he, and establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, for eternity. And I will be his father and he will be my son. This is what David knew from Nathan. He knew he was going to die. He says, you're going to rest with your fathers. When you're long gone, I'm going to raise up one of your descendants. And that descendant is going to be a king. And he's going to build my temple, my place where I dwell with God, with his people. Now, could David have known that that was pointing to Jesus? It's hard to say. It could have been his kingdom's going to last forever because it will be a series of kings that went forever and certainly that's been how many Jewish people have seen it. It could be that this kingdom and this house was going to be built by Solomon, which Solomon did. So maybe from this we can work out that Solomon's going to be a great king, but why does God say, I'm going to establish his kingdom forever? Why not your kingdom forever? There's something eternal about this king, another king in the same line as David. But look what Peter says. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. And seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. And then Peter goes on to say, I tell you, God has raised this Jesus to life in fulfilment of this psalm. So David here, we're seeing a glimpse that maybe he knew more. If you want to say it's typological, I think that that's acceptable. And if you want to say that it's prophetic, that's okay, and it can actually be both. But we see here that he was a prophet. He knew something that God had revealed to him. There's different senses of prophet, but that's one possibility. And he knew that one of his descendants would be on that throne. One special descendant. And he knew that was an eternal throne. Not many, but one. And he could see what was to come, and he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. So, point is, there's an inconsistency in this psalm. David says, you're not going to let me... See decay, but he did his grave was there his bones were there. he's not talking about himself, Peter says he's speaking about the future which is tied in with the resurrection of Jesus that he foresaw what God was going to do through his the Messiah. now you might wonder why is this even included in this psalm for security and safety and the answer is because that work of Jesus that resurrection of Jesus from the dead underpins all the security that is found in that psalm. And the faith that David had in God is the same faith that we place in Christ Because we know who Jesus is now. We know who the Messiah is. We place our trust in him to deliver us and to give us safety and security in God's kingdom. That we can say that the boundary lines for us have fallen in pleasant places. And that we have an inheritance that will never end. And that we have God standing at our right hand. And that we can face every challenge beyond this life in the life to come. That we will be with him in eternity. Just as David did. And in fact, David saw that as his ultimate security. The same faith, the same hope, the same Messiah, providing all of these blessings. Peter goes on to say this, the same Peter who wrote the Acts chapter 2, telling us that this was a prophecy. He says, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You, through through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter, who points to Psalm 16, sees Jesus as being the hope for the future. Jesus securing that eternal inheritance. And Jesus taking us to a place where things don't spoil, they don't fade, they don't pass away. Brothers and sisters, as we look at this Psalm 16, there's a challenge for us, isn't there? As you approach this new year, worried about what might be ahead, anxious, perhaps, the Psalm calls us to put our focus back on God. Even as God's people we can lose our sight of him and we can fall back into those ways of thinking. If you're a Christian here today and you've lost sight of who Jesus is and you've lost sight of who God is and how he provides, I challenge you to bring come back to that faith where you put God at the center of your life where you seek him as your treasure. And that you see see him as and 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 looking for his blessing that he's providing for you now and looking for the future, knowing that Jesus has secured that hope for us, that you can place your trust in him. And if you're a person here today who doesn't have that faith in Jesus, I can tell you, you're not going to find security anywhere else. Everything is going to let you down. Only Jesus can provide the lasting security that you yearn for. Put your trust in him. Spend this year to get to know him better and find that faith as David had in his God, that he can rejoice and be thankful for all of God's provisions. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and just want to thank you for Jesus, Lord, that you uh, promised him from all that time ago that even David saw a glimpse of what that hope looked like. And now, Lord, you reveal that to us. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, that he's passed through death and that because he's passed through death, that we have hope for a new life. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus forgives us of our sins so that we can have that relationship with you. And thank you that Jesus secures for us a future which is unshakable. Lord, I pray for us here this morning who are doubting and who are struggling. I pray for those who have not come to faith, that we can turn and put our eyes on you, that we can fix you at the centre of our world this year, And that we can honour you and follow you and seek your will. Lord be our God we pray as we submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.